Brought to you by Mountaineer fans, for Mountaineer fans, the Country Road Webcast. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into Season 5, Episode 136 of the CRW Podcast, our Virginia Tech preview and prediction show. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, and I got my co-host with me. We've got Steven. What's going on, everybody? And Bradley. What's up? So, going to dive in on the matchup of the Mountaineers versus the Hokies. Battle for the Black Diamond Trophy going to take place in Blacksburg at Lane Stadium at 7.30 p.m. September 22nd, this coming Thursday. going to be televised on ESPN, and this will be the last game between these two teams for the foreseeable future. So whoever wins this one going to hang on to the trophy for a while. We're going to break that all down and get into those matchups with Virginia Tech momentarily. But before we do that, gentlemen, I figured this week, instead of off-topic babble to start this off, We'll place that with a little segment, just uh, kind of final thoughts on the, where the Mountaineers are, uh, three games through the season, you know, just kind of a, putting a bow on Towson, if you will, since I know we all three didn't get together, you know, with such a short short turnaround for the re- recap of that one, really. You know, all separately, like you guys were on the post-game reaction, then I was on the podcast. But since we're all three here together, uh, just kind of some final thoughts on Towson and where the Mountaineers stand through the first three games of the season. What are you thinking, Stephen? Uh, you know, I think everyone would agree that we're not where we want to be uh, as a team. Uh, offensively, very, very happy where we're at. You know, there's been, you know, small mistakes here and there. We've seen procedure penalties and, and we've seen multiple disciplinary, or not disciplinary issues, but, you know, just fundamental issues. Uh, but those can be fixed. But, you know, ultimately disappointed on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, I heard multiple times that this was possibly Neil Brown's best unit in his entire time at WVU. I heard that multiple times this off season, and I, you know what I mean. Like I've seen, I've seen a lot worse or a lot better defenses played before this season, before the Neil Brown era, and that was that's saying something because we went through some bad times with defense, you know, in the Dana era, so. I don't know. Ultimately disappointed, but still optimistic uh, overall. I guess I would say. Yeah, 
I'd agree with those sentiments. Uh, Bradley, what about you? Yeah, I think that that's pretty much where we're all sitting at. Um, I do want to bring up, you know, in our first three opponents, their combined record is six and two, six and three, I guess, now that Towson's loss. Um, no, no, six and two. Because, well, Pitt has two wins, Kansas has three wins, Towson has two wins. So that's seven and two. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not some bad yeah. opponents. Kansas is looking better. Um, you know, I definitely don't think that this has been the season we expected. But I, you know, upon further reflection, you know, I think that our offense is good enough to be great. And, you know, I think that our defense is probably going to get better as the year goes on um, if changes are made. Um, asterisks by that. But, yeah, I definitely feels good to not have uh, to be winless so far. And, you know, evening it up against Virginia Tech would be huge. So I think that Absolutely. this is definitely a bit of a must win and it's going to be a really big game on a Thursday primetime 730. exactly. Super excited for it, and we'll dive in on that uh, momentarily. But before we do, you know, we got to get into the news, gentlemen. So let's dive in on some uh, Mountaineer news. All right, Mountaineer news segment here. This is where we give you guys some basketball, some recruiting, and some football news updates on the Mountaineers and where things kind of sort of stand you know with each of those aspects of the program steven we'll kick it off with you this week mountaineer basketball news what's happened on the basketball front well obviously you know I've, we've been talking about it for several weeks and and it finally happened, you know, it finally happened guys Indeed. where's he at right here this guy right here the, the huggy bear finally got to the hall he's officially in there and uh couldn't be prouder, prouder of a Mountaineer fan than I am right now. Than I see him, and you know, it was really cool to see him come out onto the field last week, and he was clearly emotional, uh, as was I, uh, as was I'm sure a lot of Mountaineer Nation. Uh, but so happy for him. But other than that, we've got uh, the Country Roads Webcast Hoops Edition coming up here in uh, here in the next few weeks. We're going to figure out some time and some scheduling, but. Uh, you know, the season's just around the corner. We've got exhibition max, uh, matchups getting ready to happen uh, in late October, and then the season begins in just, just early November. So other than that, it's the, the calm before the storm, if you will. Very well. Excited it's, uh you know, getting there. I think I saw WVU basketball put out a thing the other day. It was like 50 days, so it's under 50 days now. So getting closer to basketball season, that's going to be here. Uh, before we know it, appreciate you giving us uh, the news updates there on basketball. Bradley, what about recruiting? What's been going on in recruiting? I know things are heating up, signing day approaching here before too long. So what's going on on Mountaineer recruiting news? Yeah, it's definitely that time of year. We're going to start seeing some uh, more and more recruiting stuff get rolling as the season goes on. Kids are going to start taking official visits. Um, <clears throat> we actually had one big four-star recruit on campus this weekend to watch the Towson game, and that was Traylon Rays, a wide receiver out of Florida. Um, seemed to be having a really good time. Uh, we got a lot of people tweeting him and stuff like that, so I think we're definitely gaining some traction with that guy. Um, definitely Traylon Ray, one to keep an eye out for. Um, it's good. It's always good when you see a guy on official visit for a game, especially a game where you get a win and a blowout, um, especially where your wide receiver well, – I guess we ran the ball more, but um, still – Looking good throwing the ball. Uh, other than that, another standout I've mentioned a few times now, Jaheim White, running back, 
future prospects for West Virginia already commit three star might potentially pull a fourth one by the end of his season. He's kind of having that kind of season um, out of Pennsylvania. Uh, one of those Western Pennsylvania boys, I believe. And uh, uh, yeah, out of York PA um, he's been killing it, man. And like I said, he's trying to really fight for that fourth star and uh, he's guys going to get more traction with some power five programs. And it's going to be up to Neil Brown to keep him in house. I think that he's very dedicated to the Mountaineer program. So, yeah, just some just some guys doing some exciting stuff into the senior year. Of course, Justin Benton's still been killing it. Those have been the main two uh, with uh, Jordan Louie, who have really been popping off this year, have seemed to have a really excellent year and really establishing themselves on a national scene. So, uh, yeah, so those four guys keep an eye out for. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Can't wait to see what they end up doing with this 2023 class when it's all said and done. And I know – a lot of the guys that are committed now and hopefully going to sign on the dotted line and look really good, especially those running backs you mentioned, Jaheim White and Jordan Louie. I think they're both going to be good players. That being said, I guess it's my turn to dive in on some football news, uh, Mountaineer football news, of course. Um, a little bit of a stat update I figured we could get into here since we're, you know, three games through, starting to be able to, you know, discuss some numbers a little bit, and, you know, I always enjoy that, so – uh, WVU currently ranks fourth in the Big 12, averaging 46 points per game, but that number actually ranks them 11th nationally in scoring offense. WVU currently leads the Big 12 in total yards on offense with 1,359 and is second in the Big 12 in yards per game with 513. C.J. Donaldson currently leads the Big 12 in rushing touchdowns with six, which also ranks third in the nation currently. Dante Steele is also... Now, one tackle for a loss away from tying the WVU career record, so hopefully maybe we'll get to see him do that against the Hokies. Other than that, taking a look around the conference for week four, you got number 17, Baylor, traveling to Ames on the road to take on Iowa State at noon. Then TCU traveling to SMU at noon. Interesting storyline there as Sonny Dykes takes on his former team. Sonny Dykes, now the coach of TCU, was the coach of SMU the past couple years. Then you get Duke at Kansas at noon in a shocking game between two undefeated squads, Duke and Kansas, both 3-0. and So somebody is going to come out of that 4-0. and And I think uh, I think it's going to be Kansas if I'm, if I'm guessing on that one. I've been pretty impressed by them, and we'll see if that continues. Then you get number 22, Texas, going on the road to take on Texas Tech at 3-30. And then Kansas State going on the road to Norman to take on the number six Oklahoma Sooners in the nightcap at 9 p.m. But then, of course, before all those games, the one that we're most concerned about is this Thursday, West Virginia at Virginia Tech. As I said earlier, 7.30 p.m. kick on ESPN. West Virginia currently favored by two and a half points in the battle for the Black Diamond Trophy. That being said, gentlemen, we can get ready to dive in on that unless you guys have any uh, thoughts on either whether it be the basketball news, the recruiting news, or the football news that uh, we've shared. I also am going with Kansas over Duke. I think Kansas is a better team than what they have been, and even more so than what I thought they were going to be going into the season. I mean, Kansas has got a real true shot at starting four and out, which is yep. you know, yeah, elite for Kansas. Yeah, I would add to that that I think Kansas is uh, is a lot better than you know we originally thought, and you know that's been echoed a few times in the past few weeks with that being said I, I wanted to touch on a few things you said a minute ago our opponents are seven and two with a combined record but i'm so tired of that excuse i've heard that excuse so many times over the past few years 
is our schedule so you know so tough but you know we as a program fought to have you know i've touched on that a few times on how everyone complained when we were in the big east how our schedule wasn't tough enough and now we've you know we've made our our schedule tough well kind of inadvertently with, with a few of these opponents in towson and kansas uh but you know what i mean i, I want us to take that next that next step as a program i'm so ready for that yeah, I think what I bring it up is just more of pointing, alluding to the fact that I, I think these schedules are made um, specifically with the uh, college football playoff in mind when there's four teams and they really said, you know, strength of schedule really mattered. Right. And so if our program was in a better spot to where we're winning these games, you know, then we're looking gorgeous. But now with the conf- uh, college football playoff expanding to 12 teams, we'd be better off playing cupcakes. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's no lie that, you know, playing Kansas – you know, Kansas might not be as great as what we even feel right now, but Kansas coming out and having a completely different offense that they didn't have last year and running a triple option that nobody saw coming and happened to take them on second game of the year and not seeing any other tape beforehand really put us at a disadvantage. So Kansas could turn around and lose the next six games and it wouldn't be surprising, but they could also turn around and win the next four games. I also wouldn't be surprised, but, um, you know, I think we were definitely caught off guard. I think we were ill-prepared and, you know, as much as I do, like, I think that Kansas is better. I could be, as Jordan's favorite term, eating crow in a few weeks when, you know, they start losing because teams have finally caught on, caught up and uh, figured them out. So, yeah. No, I, I knew why you, I know why you brought it up. I just, oh, yeah. I just, I'm so ready to take that next step, man. And also, yeah. you know, oh, me too. To just to give the, the administration some credit, although, you know, Oliver Luck has some, some strikes against him, I will say. Definitely. You know, these schedules were made, you know, years and years in advance. The mm-hmm. non-conferences were. So, you know, it's hard to tell, especially with the rapid pace of everything changing now in the landscape of college athletics. It's so hard to tell, you know, what to plan for. So, yeah, I guess, well, I guess credit like, to them in, in that fashion. But, you know. Yeah, and it's also like I think that that's part of the reason why, it's, you know, you, you feel real down because you've lost games. But. You know, it's hard to say that those losses aren't as significant, especially when, you know, I, I'm still on the train of being super critical of Neil Brown. We've lost these games because of some poor coaching, among other things, and some poor mistakes. Um, but I think that that's why we're not in the position that, you know, granted Arizona's head, uh, Arizona State's head coach was having other, um, you know, actual issues. Some What's the word I'm looking for here? Some, some, some – disciplinary issues some that's not the one that I want to use yeah some violations Violation. issues. but you know we're not losing to an FCS school like Nebraska is you know we're not losing we're not losing to uh, a team that we should be losing to we, we we smacked Towson the way we should you know we're not and, yeah we're not losing to ODU nice. you, you see what I'm saying so like those are things that you know coaches be fired for immediately and we're not we're not at that point yet so like I do find comforted in that area when I've been looking at this is that you know we didn't lose to a team that that has no right being on the field with us. We would like to feel that way about Kansas, but if Kansas is good, then, you know, Kansas is good. But Towson has no right to be um, scoring more than seven points in a game or scoring any points on our defense, and they didn't. So Yeah. I thought about that, actually, you know, sitting at the game on Saturday. I thought to myself, you know, as bad as things are right now, it's nice, it's nice to know that West Virginia's always at least been consistent in the fact that they – you know, they've – we give them, you know, a lot of flack because they lose games in regular seasons, you know, that are big-time games. But to their credit, you know, 
you know, we went undefeated in BCS bowls, right? True that. Mm-hmm. You know, and well, so and, and in mo- turn, like, you know, thinking about the Towson game, West Virginia is also undefeated, never lost to an FCS opponent, and there's plenty of teams that you know. Been well, well, that's what yeah, Virginia's that's what never I mean. lost like, to an FCS. So. You know, they they've under they've they're undefeated in situations like the BCS, and then you know, you never lose to any an FCS program. So that to me is Absolutely. prestigious. Definitely, definitely, for sure. And I think, you know, as far as you guys mentioned, as far out as the schedules are made now, I think that's why, looking ahead, this is going to be the last game with the Hokies for a while is because, you know, the schedules are made so far and out in advance. West Virginia's non-con is filled up through at least, I know, 2027. And unless conference realignment changes things, whoever wins this game is going to hold on to the trophy for at least, you know, 6,000-some days like – when Tech won it back in 2017 in that one-off game. So this one's really big for that reason, but also really huge, I think, in my opinion, the biggest game of Neil Brown's West Virginia career up to this point. Um, A loss, I think, is beyond detrimental. I think it's something that he may not be able to recover from. I think if he wants to remain here next year, he's going to have to get this win. Uh, Personally, I think it's the most important game. Um, of his career and we can dive in on the game now, you know, but uh, a little bit, but if y'all want to, but that's just something that I have been, you know, thinking about when I've been thinking about this game approaching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're getting lucky enough to get two rivals in one year where you can kind of, you know, right your wrong against Pitt. It's not Pitt, but you're also going up against a first year head coach. And I think that that's where it makes it more detrimental is the fact that, you know, you're in your fourth year of your program, you should be established. Virginia Tech lost to ODU by all rights, you know, for two and a half point favorite. But by all rights, like we should be the better team. We are going to Blacksburg. But we should still win going up against a first year head coach. And if we see coaching mistakes first, first and foremost outright, then yeah, if that's what, you know, we lose because we're um, poorly coached, undisciplined, then hey, man, it, it is what it is. And I agree. I think going one and three and looking that kind of ugly is um, unacceptable. And it's, you know, Probably, probably too much to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, and I said it in the uh, in the SPR. You know, we at least have to split these games. You know, and I picked, of course, as I picked us to lose to Virginia Tech, but that was in large part because I thought that we would come out and and beat Pitt, and we come out and we played well well enough to beat Pitt, but unfortunately, we didn't get that done, and so. For a lot of reasons beyond that, I think that this game is, like Crew said, very, very important, not only for Neil Brown, but for a lot of guys on this coaching staff and on this team. You know what I mean? Because thinking what that domino does if you lose Neil Brown, you know, if you lose this game, then that effectively starts a domino to where he he's probably going to, you know, lose his job, you know, whether it be this season or next season, I don't think you win back this fan base if you lose if you lose this game. Um, you know what I mean? Because that, that doesn't set you up well for the rest of this season. And then after that, you, you just can't win. People in this fan base are tough, you know. Mm-hmm. We're passionate, and so we're tough. It's hard. You're not going to win the fan base after, uh, back after We trusted. That. We bought in. We've been here. We've rode right. through it. And, you right. know, it's time. So, and for that reason um, and why it's so important is you don't only lose Neil Brown. Um, 
it, you know, you lose whoever you're going to lose on the coaching staff, but then you also lose lose all of these recruits that, you know, have made up the best recruiting class in school history. Um, so, you know, this is bar none a very, very important game, not only for Neil Brown, uh, but it's for the program as a whole, in my opinion, for the next decade of Mountaineer football. Because, you know, as much as we sit here and we say, you know, and we said a few times, we fire Neil Brown, we hire someone else. That's another three to four year rebuild, no matter how you swing it. I don't care how you swing it. And unless we catch lightning in a bottle again. And I, I don't see that happening. Unfortunately. Well, speaking of it, speaking of the importance of this game, that's, I'm glad you, you know, you mentioned that and we kind of got into that a little bit with it being, you know, like I said, in my opinion, the most important game of Neil Brown's WVU career to this point. And I think, you know, for the other reasons you stated, it's important as well. And just the fact that it is a rivalry and I know, being where we're from down here in the bottom part of the state, Mercer County, it's always been a big one because there's so many Virginia Tech fans. You know, we're closer to their campus than to Morgantown. Short, uh, you know, shorter distance. You know, probably can make it to Blacksburg in less than an hour. It's about three plus to Morgantown. So there's definitely been, on, you know, surrounded by Virginia Tech fans throughout. You know, elementary, middle school, high school. You know, all that stuff. So. That's definitely a thing, but (laughs) so I say all that to say, you know, this game's important for the reasons we discussed, but what about the rivalry itself? I know we discussed the pit rivalry and what it meant a little bit briefly, but I think it's good to do this for the Virginia tech one as well. Cause you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, haven't experienced it. You know, we haven't played hardly, you know, regularly since, you know, early two thousands. I know there was the game last year in the game in 2017, but this will be West Virginia's first trip to Blacksburg since 2004. So you know, almost two decades, 18 years since we were last there. So let's touch on just a little bit about, you know, this rivalry, what it means to you, your experience with it, and what it means to you to see it back as well. Um, and and what may be the last incarnation of it for quite some time moving forward. We should talk about it while we have the chance. So, uh, Stephen, what are you thinking? Uh, you know, I I love this rivalry just as much as the pit rivalry, but for for a little bit different reasons. You know, pit. You know, I love that rivalry because I I purely hate <laughs> the Pit Panthers. You know, this rivalry is a little bit different in the fact that you know, growing up, you know, like like you said, we you know we went to school with so many so many Virginia Tech fans, and you know that one you actually you get the trash talk back and forth year round whenever they would play, you know, you know, we, they stopped playing in 2005, eventually played in 2017 and then obviously played last year. But, you know, as a, as a kid, I remember that was the funnest trash talk sports wise to me was, was when that game came around. Um, unfortunately, West Virginia lost that game um, in the latter two seasons that we played back then. Um, but, you know, that's what makes, that's what makes this rivalry, so heart wrenching now for me is is because of that, and you you go so long with them having the trophy, and you know speaking of the trophy, when they used to bring the coaches' caravan around the state, um, and you know as ill as we think as Rich Rodriguez, you know that's what that's one thing that he did. He brought the black diamond trophy down here and let everybody touch it that was at that event. Um, you know him and his wife Rita were there, and I remember they invited everybody up to touch it. And I'm you know as a kid. You know, the thing was as big as my body. You know, it was a 
it's a huge trophy. And to think about like me being able to touch that trophy back then. And that's still the same trophy. Now that, that's a cool thought. And that's really a newer thing in, in term relatively in terms of the rivalry. So, and I was studying about it earlier. I think that we are still in, even though we don't play for the foreseeable future, um, the, relatively, you know, the last couple of decades have been really the formidable years of the rivalry. You know, there's a lot of years back in the early 1900s that they really skipped around and didn't really play that much. Um, you know, they played in, you know, places like Mitchell Stadium and Bluefield, uh, West, you know, it's right on the line, I guess. Yep. Bluefield. <laughs> Uh, you know, playing venues like that. Yeah. And so, like, I think there will be a way that these two teams find a way to, to play each other in the future. Um, because the, think about the two the last couple of times that these teams have played. For ratings alone, you have to have these two teams play. Um, you know, it's not as important to the game of college football as the, the backyard brawl, but the Black Diamond Trophy is also a very, very – um, important and good pageantry full rivalry. I don't know if that's a word, but I made it up. Definitely, Definitely. it really is, and especially these trophy games. There's not you know too many of them that you see in college football. I know this is the only one that West Virginia really plays is the battle for the Black Diamond Trophy. So, um, you know, like you said, I hopefully they're going to find a way to play each other. But for now, whoever wins this one's going to hold on to it for a while, so it means a little bit little bit extra but you never know how conference realignment may shake things up in the future and these guys may play each other again before we know it and hopefully it does work out that way but Bradley what about you what are your thoughts on this rivalry between uh, the Mountaineers and the Hokies yeah I mean it's a lot of what Steven said we all grew up in the same hometown uh, same county down here and say my best friend growing up is a huge Virginia Tech fan that's something we always still to this day um, just about and you know, for me, it's it's a trophy game. You know, Pitt's a brawl, Virginia Tech's a trophy game, and it's always felt like you know, um, Pitt was out of out of um, location adjacency. You know, where Virginia Tech is not necessarily that, but there's still like that um, that just like divide of Southern West Virginia and how our feelings go towards Virginia Tech. So I think you know, it's definitely an underrated rivalry sometimes, and sometimes you know, not seen as much. But for me, I think that this is important because, like you said, it, this is the game that's going to, you know, whoever holds the Black Trophy at the end of this is going to hold it for a while. Uh, the Black Diamond Trophy is going to hold it for a while. And, you know, really since the turn of the century and a little bit before that, Virginia Tech has really been uh, putting it on West Virginia. So we've won like three out of the last, you know, 10-ish meetings. I was kind of like looking at it. And, you know, I really thought I we were going to go. just and- studying that. It's yeah. funny that yeah. you mentioned that. I was going back to 92 – and I'm not trying to cut you off, but since you touched on it, I'm, I'll let you know the exact numbers here. Um, in 92, sorry, 94, uh, since 94, West Virginia is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Uh, they are 4 and 10 against the Virginia Tech Hokies. Yeah, uh, and so, you know, there's no writing that ship in this one game, but, you know, I thought we should have won in 2017. And, you know, it's probably going to be broken up into that kind of stint, you know, the the pre-Big East split and then the three games that happened in the, you know, the 2017 season, the 2021 season, and the 2022 season. Those three games are probably going to be lumped in together. 
they've we've split them we you know we went to maryland or the yeah. the neutral field site in dc lost that game should have won that game with will greer um turn around they came up to morgantown we won that one now we're going to virginia tech it's our chance to really you know um take the edge on at least this little three game series that we've had and you know show them you know we won in our home we won in your home and i think that that's a little you know little feather in our cap going forward for the future of our program like Stephen brought up some of the importance so very true. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. This being the rubber match, um, them winning in 2017, us winning last year. So, you know, whoever wins this one, like you say, going to be two and one over those, you know, most recent three games that, you know, that they've played since conference realignment. So that's interesting. But when talking about the rivalry, the one thing that, you know, I just had to touch on because I don't think it gets brought up enough. And maybe that's because uh, Mountaineer fans don't really like to admit it. I don't know. But I think the reason that this rivalry – has lasted so long and is one of the best rivalries that West Virginia has, in my opinion. I'd probably put it number two right behind Pitt for me. And I think the main reason is the similarity between these two programs. They're eerily similar in how how they've been. Both of them, neither one with the national championship, I think one's the 14th winningest all-time, one's fifth. They're right there, both top 15. No Heisman winners, no national championships. Don Nealon. Both have been to a national championship and lost. Yeah. Don Nealon, what he did for West Virginia. Bud Foster did the same thing for Virginia Tech. Uh, They've had amazing players that have been Heisman candidates but just haven't got there. Pat White, Michael Vick. I mean, you can go on and on with the comparisons, but it's definitely, I think, what really fuels the rivalry unbeknownst to most, you know, unconsciously, subconsciously, is the fact that, we want to both say, hey, we're better than you, we're better than you, but truth be told, we're about the same. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. And you know, Except for we lead I'm, the series, so take that. We do, <laughs> we do lead the series. Um, and and, and since we're talking about numbers, I did want to touch on something that I also looked at earlier. Uh, I don't really know what kind of effect that this will have on the game, but um, in my mind it gives me confidence. So here we go. 1912. West Virginia actually loses this game. It was the first meeting that they ever played with Virginia Tech. Okay. Skipping ahead, we go to 1952. If you're not following the the pattern here, I'm going uh, every every two year that we've played. Uh, West Virginia wins this game 27 to 7, 1952. 1962, skipping ahead 10 years later, West Virginia wins 14 to nothing. Skipping ahead to 1982, they didn't play in 1972. Uh, for whatever reason, they didn't play from '68 to '73. Skipping ahead to '82, West Virginia Mountaineers win 16 to six. Skipping ahead to 1992, West Virginia won 16 to seven. In 2002, if a lot of you haven't watched that game, you should. I just got done watching it. Oh, yeah. That one was at Lane Stadium. You already know what that one was: 21 to 18, West Virginia Mountaineers. And then, obviously, the next one. Is taking place this coming Thursday. So if you're not following that pattern, West wow. Virginia has only lost one time uh, when they've played on the the two year, if you will. So, like I said, don't that's really know what kind of uh, <laughs> don't really know what kind of effect that's going to have on the game. But in my mind, it gives me confidence. Hey, history repeats itself. That it does, my friend. That it does. Well, that being said, boys, I guess let's uh, let's get in the weeds a little bit on it then. Let's. Let's talk about the matchups themselves. Um, let's kick it off with the Virginia Tech offense 
versus the West Virginia defense. I think that these are the two. I think that this matchup with Virginia Tech, you get weakness on weakness and you get strength on strength. This will be the weakness on the weakness. Virginia Tech's offense has struggled. West Virginia's defense has struggled. So this is kind of the weakness on weakness matchup, I guess, if you want to uh, coin it that way. But, Bradley, what are your thoughts on the Virginia Tech offense, how they're going to attack this West Virginia defense, and if they'll be able to score some points or if the Mountaineers are going to really turn things around this week and um, hopefully improve defensively? Um, yeah, I don't think that we're going to fix all of our defensive woes this game, unfortunately. Um, I think that we will look a little bit better, but I still think that our defensive backs are just unset. I think that our linebackers have been too shaky. Um, I think that Virginia Tech is going to have a really great running game. And even though we've shown flashes of being able to stop that, we've also shown flashes of not really having much else to do with it. Um, I do think that they're going to come out and throw it a little bit more than we expect because um, I think that they're going to feel pressured to kind of keep up with our offense because our offense is really high-powered, really high-scoring. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely think they're going to be able to score some points on us and, you know, the more stops we get, the better, but, you know, it's, it's definitely not going to be a perfect performance. I'm not expecting a perfect performance yet. Like I said, I don't think that we have the issues on defense resolved yet. I expect Sean Martin though to have a hell of a game. Sean Martin, you know, showing out for his, you know, he should feel this rivalry more than Dante Stills. You know, for Dante Stills being from Fairmont, is how he feels towards Pitt. Is how Sean Martin should feel towards Virginia Tech being from Bluefield. Yeah, as well he should absolutely. And I think that this is where we see where the West Virginia defense is at comparatively to you know what we looked like against Kansas because Towson can really learn much, but that's a bit of a tune-up game. And then you know the first week against Pitt wasn't as bad, but then against Kansas, it was bad. And Virginia Tech's going to try and run the football as well. And they're going to play with, you know, 12 personnel a lot, two tight ends. So you're going to have extra gaps in the run game. So West Virginia is going to be tested to see if they can really fit those run fits and, you know, correct some of the mistakes that we saw them make against Kansas, I think. But, Stephen, what about you? What are your thoughts as far as the West Virginia defense going up against this uh, Virginia Tech offense led by, led by the West Virginia native? former GW quarterback uh, and former Marshall quarterback, Grant Wills. Um, yeah, I, I kind of lean in, in almost the opposite uh, direction as you, Brad. And these are the reasons why. Kind of kind of agree and disagree. Um, you know, I think that Sean Martin is going to come into this game with, with a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to have a lot to prove just being from this area. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that he's going to have a lot of family and friends at that game, just being so close. Uh, you know, and likewise, I think that you know, I think that Dante is going to come into this game with the chip on his shoulder too, and and for a couple reasons. One being that um, this will be the last time that he'll suit up against the Virginia Tech Hokies um, ever, and you know, he'll only he'll only get to play them twice in his career. So. You know, he played well against them last year, so I expect him to play pretty well against them this year. Um, and then for another reason, he hasn't really played that well um, since the pit game uh, for whatever reason. And I think that he's heard a lot of people talking about that uh, in the fan base. So I think that he'll come in. He usually comes into big big games and these types of atmospheres um, and plays well. Uh, I, I've always thought that Dante plays better on the road myself. 
So I think that for those reasons, I think that the, the defensive line play for WVU is actually going to play very well. With that being said, I think our secondary is going to be very vulnerable, and I think that uh, they're going to try any way and every way that they can to exploit that. And we're, we'll see somewhat of a shootout, but not a high-scoring shootout. I think that we're going to see um, a few big plays on both sides that that shouldn't be big plays, but, but are lapses – you know, lapses in coverage for, for the defense for West Virginia. And and then also I think that West Virginia's offense is going to make a lot of big plays because they are explosive. And now that they have a few games under their belt, it's going to be a little bit better than what you've seen in the pit game, in my opinion, I think. Here's, here's my take on it. I think that um, the best thing West Virginia can do in this game is to stop the run because I think Virginia Tech's going to try and do that, set that up early lean on that, go to the play-action pass game. And I think the best thing West Virginia can do is stop that and try and make Grant Wells beat you himself because I don't think he can, even as bad as West Virginia's secondary has looked at times. I think that West Virginia, we've seen them recover a couple fumbles this season. That's the only two turnovers they've got. Uh, we're going to see them get an interception in this game. That's my prediction for this one. Uh, at least one interception off Grant Wells. I think we're going to see Jacoby Spells get some play in time. Um, I think he looked good, and, you know, they played him, I think they said 34 snaps against Towson, really think that he's getting really close to uh, contributing a lot. And I think once he gets to that point, I think that he may uh, secure one of those starting cornerback spots, uh, maybe take the one from McCormick. But um, I think Ajayi's been uh, serviceable, and I think that um, our safeties have really come on, uh, Marcus Floyd specifically. And I think I like what I've seen from McLaurin when he's been filling in from Burks, but hopefully you can get Burks back from the injury, but I think this is a the game we'll find out how much our secondary has improved and learned the calls and learned where they're supposed to be on these plays because I think West Virginia is going to come in focused to st- stop the run. And I think they're going to be able to stop the run because I was looking through the PFF grades for Virginia Tech, a team that wants to, you know, be a bit more uh, methodical on offense, slower drives, kind of control the ball and, and run the football with multiple tight ends and heavy sets and even use a quarterback run game a little bit. Uh, the surprising thing with that is they really have struggled and when it comes to their run blocking grades on PFF. Actually, their highest graded lineman is only their sixth highest graded run blocker altogether. There's like, um, I think there's a tight end and four or five wide receivers ahead until you get to a lineman and then their top two linemen are both only in like the high six, high, mid to high 60s on run blocking. So I think West Virginia with their defensive line, Jordan Jefferson, Dante Steeles, Sean Martin, like you mentioned, should be able to stop the run. And then you're going to have to just try and make Grant Wells beat you. And hopefully he's not able to. I don't think he will be able to. I think the Mountaineers can force some turnovers. I think you got that going for you. And as well as the fact that the impact players on this Virginia Tech offense, the main ones to me are Keyshawn King and Caleb Smith. And both of those guys are dealing with nagging injuries. They're both going to play in this game. But neither one may be 100%. So, for West Virginia, that's in your favor as well. So I think the Mountaineers are going to be able to stop uh, Virginia Tech, and I think excluding Towson, when you're talking the FBS opponents that West Virginia has played, I think you're going to see the best defensive performance of the season from the Mountaineers, and this one is is my bullet prediction. I also think that, but I also think likewise from from the Virginia Tech offense. You know, there's something about the atmosphere of this game. Uh, you know, even last year, crazy. you know, as dominant of a of a game as it was for West Virginia for mul- for you know most of that game, you know don't forget how much of a comeback and how close it was 
to being, you know, a comeback for the Virginia Tech Hokies late in that football game. And then also think about 2017, you know, the comeback from us, you know, when Will Greer led that drive and how close we were to winning that game. Uh, so <clears throat> if it's one thing that we've, we should have learned in the past, gentlemen, it's that no lead is safe in this game um, and that the atmosphere alone can, uh, can change the, the dynamic of the game. Very true. Very true. And West Virginia's got to be able to cover the tight end. I mean, their leading receiver is is Nick Gallo, their tight end. And, you know, West Virginia, we've seen them struggle with that in the past. Uh, even against Kansas, some Jared Casey hurt him a little bit. Uh, Bartholomew against Pitt had a few catches. So, uh, going to have to do that as well. Definitely want to throw that in. But uh, let's flip it over, gentlemen. Let's talk about the other way around. The West Virginia Mountaineer offense, as we said, has been pretty explosive through three games. Looks like they can do a lot of different things. Currently 11th nationally with uh, 46.0 points per game and leading the Big 12 in total offense um, with the most uh, total yards so far offensively. And then they're going to be arguably, um, I guess when you look at statistics-wise, maybe their toughest challenge yet. I think the Pitt defense will prove to be better than the Virginia Tech defense at season's end. Virginia Tech has not faced the best competition early on, but as of right now, their top five, nationally in a lot of defensive categories. I think they're number one in the, in the nation in third down defense. So the West Virginia offense that has looked great will face a tough test with a very tough atmosphere in Lane Stadium, one of the best in the nation, if you ask me. But, Bradley, we'll let you kick it off first this time. What are your thoughts on the Mountaineer offense and how they'll attack this Virginia Tech defense and if they'll be able to continue their high-scoring ways in this one in Blacksburg? Yeah, I I mean, I'm obviously excited for offense. I think they've been super exciting to watch all year, and they've got the potential to pop off and go for 45 in this game, even though Virginia Tech's defense has looked really good. Um, I quite honestly just don't see that happening. I'm a little worried about our interior linemen. Uh, this team is very close to Pitt. If it's probably, probably going to be up there in the top three that we'll see um, all year. And, you know, going back and looking at it, you brought up James Gemitter, uh, one of our past ones. Um, you know, looked really awful. I mean, he allowed six pressures, I think, five or six pressures. Zach Frazier allowed two or three pressures against Pitt. And, you know, I'm 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 worried about it, uh, quite honestly. I think that they're going to be able to push us around a little bit towards the center. And so um, I think that is going to stifle our offense a little bit. It definitely worked for Pitt for a little while. I'll say um, we were able to kind of cook on some big plays. But outside of some big plays, you know, we weren't really – um, doing a lot offensively that game, you know. So I think that there's a little bit more concern to be had in this game towards the defense, and I don't think that our offense is going to look as crisp. And I'm seeing, seeming super pessimistic. I don't think our defense is going to be squared away, and I don't think our offense is going to look as great as they have looked. But um, I still think that we're going to have enough to score enough points in this game to kind of allude towards my end. But. Yeah, I understand what you're, what you're coming out there because I'd agree 100% with you. I was looking at – uh, some of their grades that really did impress me, and the one that impressed me the most was some of their pass rushing grades on uh, PFF, specifically uh, C.J. McCray, their edge uh, defensive end there, with a 90.1 pass rush grade, and he's looked really good. They've looked really good in pass rush, you know, all around. Uh, they bring the blitz uh, heavy, much like Pitt did, but they won't leave their corners on islands all the time in man-to-man coverage. They'll have some safety help over the top, a uh, little bit of a cover-two man look at times. But uh, they'll definitely bring the pressure for sure. They're not scared to do that in this uh, Brent Pry defense. He makes the calls there 
on defense for them, and that's kind of what he prides himself on. And that's going to be their strength with him there, and it is definitely their strength this season as well. So the Mountaineers do have their hands full, but we've seen them uh, have a lot of success this year offensively. So, Stephen, I kick it to you and ask, will they be able to continue that offensive success in this one, in your opinion? No, I do. I think that they uh, they have a point to prove as well. You know, I mean, like I, I know that they've played well uh, to a certain extent, but I think that, um, you know, C.J. Donaldson, I, th- I imagine, will have a, a little bit of success early, but with their defensive rush, I think that we'll try to go underneath a little bit. And I think for that reason, Reese Smith or KP could have a big game. Um, and, you know, you'll probably see – you know, BFW and Sam James do do what they do. But I really think that, that our offense, you know, I don't think that the Virginia Tech defense is as good as as we are, as a lot of people are giving them credit for. And I don't mean that as any disrespect. I just mean that, you know, that ODU offense and, you know, I mentioned, I'll mention Ollie Jennings. Yeah, Ollie Jennings is just a lead. Did man. what they wanted <laughs> to against that defense. Okay. Uh and so I'm I'm not so bought in. I'm not so bought into that. I think the West Virginia's offense have proven themselves um in a lot more ways. And I think that that's been discredited in terms of what this not not by us, of course, but but by a lot of people in in terms of this matchup from what I've heard, because I I get that they have a good defensive fr- uh a defensive front and that's great, but I, I truly believe that Pitts was was better from everything that I've watched this season, mm-hmm. and I think that I we're, say, we're well tested for it. Yeah, and you brought him up. I'm gonna say I do think that this is KP's coming out game finally. Um, I, I feel like I've kind of been calling him pretty correct so far this season how they were gonna use him. They kind of avoided him against the pit game. Um, you know, they they didn't target him as much. I said that they were really gonna kind of uh, he did he showed up a little bit in the Kansas game. I said that they were going to force it upon him in the Towson game. I think that this is his coming out game, and I think that he really shows you athlete he can be. So if you heard Neil Brown talking today in his uh, coach's show, he was talking about how that loss against Pitt and that poor performance against Pitt was kind of that aha moment for him. Uh, You know, you can be as talented as you want to be and work as hard as you want to be, but sometimes, you know, you just got to flip that switch, you know, and I think that that switch is finally flipped for him. And so I do think that this is going to be KP's coming out game. I, yeah, I feel I like coming. It. I think I think that is coming in, and I think the KP's. I think they're going to focus on Bryce Ford Wheaton because the guy is terrifying. They have they have every reason to focus on Bryce Ford Wheaton, and I think that that's going to cause KP to absolutely go off and show us what he's what he's got in store for us for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'll echo that. I, I think that you know I, I've actually been was actually going to touch on that myself later uh, when we make our you know predictions. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cruz made his earlier, but I guess we have the same one this week, Brad. Uh, KP, I think that he's going to go off. I really, I've just got a special feeling about him. I like it. I like it, and I hope you're right. And I think that, um, like I said, West Virginia is definitely going to be a challenge for him. Uh, Virginia Tech, you know, I mentioned the pass rush briefly, but they also have um, great players on the other two le- next two levels up as well. Middle linebacker Dax Hollifield, one of the best players in their defense, really improved. Um, really stuck out on film. Neil Brown even said, and then Shamari Connor still back there in the defensive backfield for them as well. So I think um, West Virginia running the football is going to be a key in this game because that's going to hopefully you know allow them to pass protect better with 
and Virginia Tech not be able to peel their ears back so much if West Virginia can run the ball, get them into more manageable situations into where Virginia Tech doesn't know the pass is coming and can really pin their ears back and blitz and hurt you with their pass rush, which is what you don't want because I think the major key offensively in this one is going to be, you know, giving JT Daniels enough time, holding off that pass rush because I think if West Virginia can do that and contain their pass rush and, you know, run the ball with mild success will help with that. I think West Virginia can do that. And I think if West Virginia crosses 30 points in this game, they're going to win. I don't think Virginia Tech can score with them. Um, Virginia Tech, I think the highest total they've scored this season is 27. And as I said, they've played Old Dominion, Wofford, and, you know, a, a weak Boston College team that has one of the worst offensive lines in the country and the most points Virginia Tech's uh, scored so far is 27. So, you know, it's, it's at lane. You know, th- crazy things can happen with the rivalry. Who knows? They may come out and make it a shootout and surprise me, but I don't think that they're going to be able to score with West Virginia if West Virginia can contain their pass rush and make things happen on offense. In my opinion, if West Virginia can score over 30 points, I think they'll they'll win this game. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I, I think that West Virginia will, spoiler alert, I think they will do that. Uh, but I think what will happen in this game uh, will be, you know, inner Sandman will play. They'll be ball pumped up at the beginning of the game. I imagine that we'll see – um, if not a close game in the first half, I think that we see Virginia Tech hop out to an early lead. Uh, and then I think that you see West Virginia's offense truly take over in the second half. And I think that they, uh, they pull away or there's a, there's two ways I think this game can go. And I, you know, I know I'm, you know, saying anything can happen pretty much, but you're either going to have it down to the last possession or it's going to be a blowout. I don't think that you're going to have, you know, a two score game or, or anything like that. Just you know, you guys know that I'm a traditionalist, right? You know, mm-hmm. I'm always a history repeats itself type of guy. Uh, and it just seems like this game's always either you know, like I mentioned, either close, like a comeback type of style game, or one of the, one of the two teams blows the other one out. And I think this is possibly one of those times that West Virginia may blow them out. But also, every time I've thought that, it's been a close game. And so for that reason, I think it's going to come down to a, to the last possession. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, any further thoughts on the matchup, boys, before we uh, dive into uh, prediction time, our key to victory and our score predictions? I think I'm ready. All right. Let's get it. Uh, let's get into our keys to victory and our score predictions. <laughs> All right, so uh, key to victory and score predictions, pretty self-explanatory. We're going to each give what we feel will be the key to a West Virginia victory in this one, followed by our prediction for the game, who wins, and what the score uh, we are predicting is. And uh, I guess um, I'll let you guys kick off first. Last time I may as well kick it off first this time. I've already kind of briefly touched on it a little bit in the last segment, and to me the key is West Virginia to just maintain the scoring rate They've been shown through the first uh, three games of the season. I think if West Virginia continues to score offensively like they have through the first three games, they should win this football game. Uh, to me, that's the difference. Uh, West Virginia has high-powered offense. Virginia Tech struggles on offense, has a good defense. So, West Virginia, if you can overcome their defense and score, um, that's the key to me. And I think that they're going to be able to do so um, Steven, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think it's going to be a super close game. You know, Vegas thinks it's going to be a super close game. West Virginia currently favored by two and a half at the time we're recording this. 
I don't think it's going to be a close game. 34 to 17 Mountaineers. 34 17. Uh, I like that. I like that. Um, I agree almost to the T on what West Virginia will score. I think West Virginia will score 35 points, but I do think it will be a little bit closer of a game than that. I think that uh, just the way that this game's shaping up, you know, neither of these two teams have proven themselves, uh, the rivalry atmosphere, the just everything about it. I think it's going to be closer than that. I think it's going to be um, the key to victory. I, I guess I'll give you that first. I think the key to victory for West Virginia is that they maintain the defensive line, you know, or, you know, pressure with the defensive line. Uh, I, I think if we do that, you know, we get a lot of pressure and we can stop the run, get pressure on Grant Wells, make them have to go deep. Um, I just don't think that they're talented. I don't think that he has a, you know, a talented enough arm to be able to go deep for one. Um, and then they're going to be forced to have to go underneath um, and, and make some shallow throws. And, and I look for, for, some of our linebackers to make some plays uh that and i you know like you mentioned i think we see a, an interception i think it possibly could be from that linebacking core um and so that that would be my my key to victory uh with my score prediction i think that it's going to be closer and uh i'm picking west virginia 35 to 28 uh, i think it's going to come down to to a you know one final drive whether whether it be whoever has possession of the football um, West, whether it be West Virginia scores on that final drive, or wh- whether it be they, you know, they make another goal line stand uh, on that final that drive, be. wouldn't that be fun to see? Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah, I like those, and I think that it's kind of funny. So when we get to my score here in a second, um, <laughs> but yeah, so key to victory, uh, I, I've kind of kept it down to bring it up at this moment, but I think the key to victory is going to be yardage on first and second downs. I think that getting ourselves in a good spot to not be third and long, that seems to be where Virginia Tech really feasts. It's where they really want their teams at. They're number three in the country at forcing punts. Um, you know, they've they've forced punts on like 85% of the drives that they've faced against so far this year. Um, and a lot of that's because they get you in third and long. And I think that that kind of bodes bad for our offense. Because, you know, I think that we kind of want to take shots on first and second down. We like to establish a run first down, take a little bit of a shot with the second down, and that really sets us up to be in a poor position for third down. And we kind of just rely on the fact that JT Daniels is elite to get us out of those situations, that he can just throw it to Bryce Ford Wheaton. Uh, I mean, look at it last week, even against Towson. I mean, I think we went forward on fourth and nine at one point in time just because we knew we could. We knew that there was no, no way they were going to be able to stop JT Daniels from throwing to Bryce Ford Wheaton. We're not going to have that same luxury this week. And so, you know, I think that being able to get yards on first and second down, whether through run, quick passes, or just, you know, letting JT Daniels be JT Daniels is going to be crucial. And if we can get to a point where uh, we have short yardage on third downs, I think that's going to allow us to play a little bit more loose, a little bit more freely, going to give our players a little bit more confidence in the plays that they're running. Whereas if we're third down and long, then it's going to really be up to our wide receivers to catch the balls that are coming to them. And I'm afraid that they're going to crack under that pressure. Um, you know, we've seen drops before. We've seen them kind of not be able to stand up to that big moment. And I'm worried about that if we're in third and eight, third and long, that we might see them drop a pass or have one bounce off their face mask and go for six the other way again. So I think that getting yards on first and second down going to be crucial. Um, 
That being said, I agree this is going to be a super close game. I think that Vegas has it super right. I really do think that they're right there. And I, I've in my bones, I think that this is going to come down to Virginia Tech has to kick two field goals at some point in time. And then they're going to be down by two points and have to go for a two-point conversion after a touchdown towards the end of the game. And I think that they're going to miss out on that two-point conversion. But for the life of me, I just can't work that out in my brain as to how that's going to work out. So the soul of me says they're going to fail on a two-point conversion to lose the game by two. Um, the other part of me is just going to go with the comfortable pick of 31 to 28. Uh, you know, I got both of you guys' scores in there. Uh, I think that it's going to come down to I think it's going to be really close. But uh, I got the Mountaineers 31-28. Well, at least we all three got them winning the game. But, man, it, it feels weird to be the super optimistic one for once. It feels really weird. Yeah, like I said, I just don't think our defense has it right. I just don't think that they do, and I think that our offense is going to struggle a little bit. I think that we've seen, you just know, the- oh, night and white and shite and armor, and we're just, you know, this offense is God, and I think that this is the first time that we kind of see, you know, some frustration. I will I say. Just, I, do, I, will I, say. Do, I don't know that we are either. I'm not the verdict's still out on if West Virginia is a good team, but I I don't think this is a good Virginia Tech team. I just and that's why I'm just going with the way I'm going. I think that hopefully this is a game where West Virginia proves that they are gonna be, you know, a good team and, you know, proves why this is year one and why it's a rebuild for Virginia Tech. Cause if it's working out the way I'm thinking in my head it's gonna work out this Virginia Tech team this year is two thousand nineteen West Virginia, you know, a team that struggled to win five games and maybe I'm wrong, but, and if I am wrong, then that goes back to what we speak about earlier and how that falls on Neil Brown. But I don't know. I've got a really good feeling about this one for whatever reason. And I'm usually not that confident. Yeah. I will say though, you know, you touched on, they have forced a punt on 83% of. Yeah. Of that's their, not a, that's uh, not a correct stat. It's just my, it's where I'm putting it at, but it's definitely getting oh. close to that. <laughs> oh, well, I, I do just want to say that West Virginia's only punted the ball four times, I believe, this year. Yeah. Did they punt whenever? <laughs> did they punt in the Towson um, game? No, we did not punt yeah, in the Towson no, game. No, they didn't punt. They didn't punt in the Towson game. Well, then they've only punted four times this year. Yeah. Because they only Cause punted they only once punted in, the, in, the, in the Kansas game, right? Kansas game, yeah. And they punted three times in the Pitt game. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, just just throwing that little stat out there also. I've got a lot of confidence in this Mountaineer offense right now at this point, and maybe I'll feel like an idiot, you know, come Friday morning. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's humming, and I think it's clicking, and it's only going to get better. But who knows? It could turn the other way. People could have film on it now, and Virginia Tech come, could come out and have something for us with that atmosphere at Lane. But we'll see. If it's anything we've learned, that it's that you're an idiot, Cruz. <laughs> Well, I mean, everyone. We've all learned that. I mean, we've learned that God a long him. time ago. Dropped the mic. Roast session. God, freaking. Like, it's Boom. not bad enough. It's not embarrassing enough that I'm like the super optimistic one. I thought maybe like, oh, we're all going to do blowouts here. No, also, man. Cruz. I also want to. I also want to say you. You mess. You're messing up my. What I wanted to do here. You covered me up. Oh. Streamyard logo. Here, hold on. Whoa! There you go. There you go. I'll move you down there then. If you can't read, not to insult anybody's intelligence. I just want to be, you know, including of. You got to include the audio. Want to be? Yeah, you have to. It's all about equality. If someone's illiterate, you know, we don't need to discriminate against that on the Country Roads webcast. 
We're an audio podcast. Exactly. exactly. You know, could have, I mean, I'm sure there's Virginia Tech fans that listen. So that's right. Exactly. <laughs> especially to this one. <laughs> yeah, especially to this one. Absolutely. But uh, that being said, uh, my apologies, gentlemen. No Mountaineer multiple choice this week. We'll bring it back for the next preview prod, I promise. But I did not refill the. I went again by default. So. Boom, Bradley. <laughs> you guys can rock paper scissors that one off. I don't think you won last time. I, think I, I won last week because you weren't here. Oh, no. Uh, well, you weren't on the preview episode, so he declared that he won by won by default. So. By default. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah. It's, it's rules. <laughs> Yeah, take them how you take them how you can get them. Follow them, okay. <laughs> uh, that being said, appreciate everyone that's tuned in. If you're watching on the video side, whether you're watching on our YouTube or on the WV Sports Now YouTube, which you can find us there, and on WVSportsNow.com now as we're part of the WV Sports Now podcast network. But either one that you're tuned in on, whether it's their YouTube or our YouTube here at the Country Roads Webcast, hit that like button. That'll help this video's performance and help future video's performances as well. And hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer football content. Out to Mountaineer Nation. If you're listening on the audio side, we're available on any podcast platform you like. But if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating. That really helps us. Um, That being said, gentlemen, Season 5, Episode 136, pretty much in the books. Virginia Tech preview and predictions as we have previewed and predicted the game now. But any final thoughts before we get ready to get out of here and uh, wrap this one up, gentlemen? Jokies. Jokies. Yeah, I think I've said everything that that I need to say on this game. Um, I'm I'm ready for the game. Uh, But, boys, I can't can't handle another uh, however many years it's going to be uh, with them having that trophy down in Blacksburg and them talking all that junk for however many years it's going to be, yeah, you know. So we we need it back for that we reason. Also, other than than the importance of everything that I mentioned, we got to win this game. We got to. Yeah, and which I don't know. Did you mention the post game live show? No, I probably should plug that. Good call. Good call. You know. Good job, uh, Brad. Definitely uh, post game live show Thursday night immediately following the game. Going to try and start. 10 to 15 minutes after the game ends, probably looking at around 11, 11, 15, somewhere in there with the game kicking at uh, 7.30. Bradley and Mountaineer Paul going to be there. Uh, me and Steven going to jump in from the stadium as soon as we can. Uh, but check that out. Voice of College Football on YouTube. Subscribe if you haven't. And the West Virginia Mountaineers Voice of College Football YouTube channel as well. Definitely a good, good idea. Definitely uh, needed to plug that one. Uh, but um, I was going to say something about what you said, Stephen, and now it uh, slipped my mind. I can't remember. What did you say before I plugged that? So you can't take it another you, long time. You know better than that. Yes. No, I got it. I, it came back to me. It came back to me. But I was just going to follow that up to say, um, we, you know, super important game for Neil Brown, super important game for the program, but in that aspect as well, super important game for the fan base. Uh, for bragging rights, right, for the foreseeable future. So not only let's keep the Black Diamond Trophy in Morgantown, but let's keep our fans with the upper hand on their fans. Yeah. Yeah, because if it's anything, if it's any small victories, we still have left to gain from this season. We can still gain that, right? Yeah. Got to take them when, gotta take when you can get them. And this will be a big one. So uh, big for us, big for the Mountaineers, big for everyone. And, 
super excited for it and to see this rivalry in prime time and hopefully a better result on Thursday night in prime time on ESPN this time for the Mountaineers. We'll see what happens, but we'll be here to break it all down afterwards with the post-game live stream. And then, of course, we'll be back with episode 137 of the CRW podcast with our review and reactions following that game, dropping sometime over the weekend. But tune in Thursday night for our immediate thoughts. Hopefully we're talking about a West Virginia Mountaineer victory and the Mountaineers hanging on to the Black Diamond Trophy. But in the meantime, appreciate you guys that have tuned in. That's a wrap for Season 5, Episode 136. For Bradley and Steven, as always, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those...